Good morning and welcome to another edition of Catholics at Home podcast. I am Mag and this is our 65th episode of the podcast. Can you believe it's been 65 weeks already? And we want to thank you for your continuous support and making time for us right here on Catholics at Home. Now, of course, it brings me great pleasure uh, to share with you that we are now streaming on the channels of the Archdiocese of Malacca Joho. Penang and Miri, and we welcome you, especially if this is your first time joining us here on Catholics at Home. Now, of course, today we've got a very interesting topic lined up for you. Uh, we are going to be shining a light on how the pandemic has affected the man on the street, especially the poor, the homeless, and the marginalized. But before we get into that conversation, I think you know what the cue is, right? We cannot have a show without the man behind the show. So let's bring on our main man himself, Father Clarence Davidas. 
on today's Catholics at Home. Good morning, Father. How are you today? Father, you're muted. <laughs> After 65 weeks, I still forget to turn to unmute myself. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> How are you, Father? I am good, Mac. Given given the situation, the circumstances, yeah, you know, trying to do what I can together. You know, what we do here, what we do, I do in the parish. Uh, like you said, trying to reach to, to the man and the woman, don't forget, uh, and the children uh, on the streets at this very Definitely. difficult time. Yeah. And how are you keeping? Good to have I'm you back. Okay. Surviving. <laughs> That's what we do, isn't it? As human beings, we adapt and we survive. So as much as we can, at least. Yeah, it's, 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 I, think, I think that's one of the qualities of, of the human person that is undervalued. The ability to adapt, uh, the ability to, you know, to, to you know, overcome challenges, difficulties. And like, like you said, you know, what, what we see today is happening uh, in our country. People reaching out. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's how people, everyone is doing something uh, to help one another. So I think, yeah, you know, the resilience uh, that humanity has uh it's something amazing yeah and and we have definitely. two great people this morning to talk to talk to us about it definitely definitely i think uh when we talk about reaching out to the streets these two have been doing so much you know uh and and it just blows my mind the extent that they go to and the fact that there's no such thing as being tired they're never tired of doing what they do you know and i think we're grateful to have people so committed to helping the poor so committed to helping uh like one of our guests helps the stateless you know the marginalized and those who are suffering in silence as well let's just face it that father you mentioned just now we've been locked down or rather we've been at home for 400 days I mean, wow, <laughs> you know, there are so many people who are actually suffering in silence as well. So, you know, let's get right to this conversation this morning. And, you know, um, we've spoken a little bit about our guests, so let's bring them on. Uh, let's have Dr. Hartini Zainuddin. She is the founder of Yayasan Chowkit and Arnold Maholu, the VP or the Vice President of the Giving Bank. Welcome, guys. How are you all today? Good. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, Mike. Hi, Father Clarence. Hi, good morning. Hi. Good morning, guys. Hi. We're Hi. good, and we hope you are too. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know now for this one and a half hours, perhaps, the streets are missing you. <laughs> and you get a little bit of rest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, let's face it. Let's Let's face it, the COVID-19 pandemic has taken a toll on everybody's life. But I'm sure that it's been especially cruel to the poor and the vulnerable. And I think you've seen it firsthand as well. So today we want to, you know, we want to tap into your brains, tap into your stories and find out more about how things have changed since the emergence of the pandemic. So I hope you can share that with us. But before anything, Father, what were you going to say? Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no I, just, I, was, I was just going to say, despite having interesting and trending conversations we also bring people who are in a similar uh, field of work together I, i'm told that Arnold and tini have heard each other heard of each other but first time meeting each other yes. so we are also connecting friends yeah absolutely uh, yeah. that's one that's the beauty about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, of course, if you're watching us, you are more than welcome to drop in your comments at the comment section below. Don't forget to like and share the podcast as well so that we can spread the word as far as we can and 
hopefully help more people out there. So let's start with getting to know your stories. Now, individually, you have two different backgrounds, how you started, of course, very different as well. So tell us a bit about yourself and what you do in your respective organizations. Denise, go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so, so I am actually trained as a teacher. I've wanted to be a teacher since I was six years old. I uh, wow. lived in America for 20 years. Um, started as a volunteer working with um, children in different sort of situations. So I've worked in soup kitchens in New York, in, in shelters, in St. Vincent's Hospital. I was one of those candy stripers that, you know, walked around the AIDS <laughs> wards, giving out magazines, listening, doing a buddy system. And then when I came home, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I, I wasn't going to teach. Um, but I wanted to work with children and it sort of evolved, right? Volunteering in one of the daycare centers in Chowket and then seeing what the gaps were and um, and then sort of expanding with it. I think, I think I'm blessed because I have friends, lots of friends, um, and I have this network of people who really want to help. So that's really how it started. It's very organic. I didn't start out learning about child protection or doing child rights. It sort of organically grew and, and fell into my lap and I sort of, yeah sort of advocated for it because I saw there were things missing for children. That's how it started. That's a beautiful story. Arno, what about you? Uh, you know, entrepreneur, been in Malaysia for 25 years. And I think at one point uh, in my life, I, something was missing. You know, you can be very successful at work and, and still there is a gap. There's, there's something that needs to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And a really good friend of mine, which is the founder of the Giving Bank, uh, Dr. Jensen Eng, you know, asked me, said, why don't you join as a volunteer? And I did, my first mission was with an orphanage. We were helping the orphanage to move from one block to another. And I got hooked. <laughs> and I, before it was 30% the giving bank and maybe 70%, you know, work. And for the last 400 days, like Father said, I think it has, it's 80% the giving bank and maybe 20% work. Wow, it's flipped. Yeah, totally, 100%. Now, the mm. both of you mentioned that, you know, you, you realize that there's something missing, right? So when did that come to you? I mean, how did you notice that this is what needed to be part of your life to make you whole? Um, for me, it was setting up um, or working with um, the ministry on, on setting up this daycare center in in Chowket. And it sort of just fell into place and there were personal things going on in my life at the same time. I think my father got sick and he, and he died. And so this was the same time that I was doing volunteer and just like Anna, there was something missing. Um, and I knew I always wanted to work with children. I just didn't know where, and I never ever thought it would be Malaysia ever. Because for me, it was like, you know, Malaysia's not poor. We don't have poor children. We don't discriminate against children. We don't, you know, discriminate against, against people. And then you do, and then you find out they do, and that no one is doing anything about it. That's one part. But the other part was realizing that there were little people, that's children, little grown-ups, that's what I call them, um, who have bigger problems but have the right attitude. I know we, we talked a little bit before the show about resilience. These mm. children have resilience. Like, you cannot believe. If you were to put me on the streets under the same conditions that some of these children and families are working, I wouldn't survive. I really wouldn't. And 
what these kids have, that courage, that determination, that creativity, and that will to want to not just survive, to thrive is incredible. And so for me, they were the role models. And I thought, my life isn't so bad. And and I can do something to make things better for them. So I try. Yeah. Just, 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 just listening to, to both of you, I, I was just wondering, I mean, just alluding to what Meg had asked. Uh, is is this something that you know that was nurtured when you know in your family? I mean, like your your parents, that, you know, uh, that you got this love to of service of generosity. Is that something that that you grew in in, in the context of your own family? Yeah. Yes. I mean, for me, I, I'm talking too much. I know you better jump in. For me, yes. Um, definitely. I think. I think for my father was this sense of generosity and and because he came from such a poor family but a large family and i think from my mother a love of children um and sort of the combination of the two and then the experiences of working and having the opportunity to volunteer and having it volunteer having these opportunities to volunteer in a big way in new york or, and you know and seeing what i see yeah for sure for sure yeah. i know your turn to jump yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was being part of, the, the gap was being part of a greater good. You know, like our life is, I mean, we are very individualistic. You know, it's it's, it's our life, our relationship, our work. And I, at one point, I think you you want to be part of something which is bigger than you, you, you know. And, and I think uh, joining an NGO, joining people who are helping others, it, it's way bigger than you because you, you see things, I mean, which blows your mind out. And I, and I think it, it somehow, it grounds you. Uh, it makes you feel so grateful of where you are. It, you really feel like every time I go out, I come back, I, I mesmerize how blessed I am. And, and I think this is, this is something which is really, really amazing. And the way it started for me is uh, in France at the, at the time, when I was young, a few years back, <laughs> uh, we, I, we had to do our military service. And instead of doing the normal one year in France, I decided to do a humanitarian action uh, in Africa, in Djibouti. And that's the way it started. Uh, I was part of the Air Force hospitals and we were taking the helicopters and stopping where the nomads here. And that's where I discovered and there was more than concrete glitters and lamb lights you know what i mean and and you start seeing yeah more than where you grew up with you know in your nurture uh family hub so it, it was amazing and i think 40 years later it, it catch me back wow. wow wonderful now of course before we go deeper into the conversation for all our viewers who are watching right now they would like to know you know what do you do in the giving bank what do you do at the yayasan child kit maybe you can share that with us so that we can dive deeper into what you do as well uh all right so i'm the vice president of the giving bank uh started as a humble volunteer but i think because i was disturbing jensen all the time asking what do we do? What do we do? Let's go on the ground. Let's do something. Let's go. He said, okay, this guy's enthusiasm needs to be used. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up being uh, the vice president, which is, it's, I mean, it's amazing because when, when you're a volunteer, you just show up, right? You, you just do work. And and I think, uh, you know, Tini will really relate to this. But once you're part of the 
managing an NGO or organizing things, it's you you are like it's 24 7 you get called of people who need help uh you're calling people to raise funds i mean i think i have lost a few friends because (laughs) 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 you you know and it's yeah it's so much you know going on you know in a backstage and and this is what people don't see and this is i think the beauty of it is you know yes raising fun going and buying thing at tesco uh you know putting things into bags and and organizing the, the logistic behind and uh i think for me this uh this pandemic has also been a blessing because i think there is no turning back for me now it's uh it's really what i want to do uh yeah if possible 100 of the time if not 80 Wow, lovely. Tini, what about yourself? Oh, God. Um, I think, first of all, I'm just going to pick up where Anna left off. This pandemic has brought out and highlighted, I think, huge differences between the have and have nots. Um, The work that we do in Yaya San Chauquet centers around children and child rights and child protection. So, of course, when this whole pandemic thing happened, it was really about ensuring that the 121 children and their families had food because everybody got locked down. Everybody didn't know what was going on. And we have children, yeah. And we have shelters with babies and little ones under 12 years old and stuff, you know. So for us, it was really about advocating that they had basic needs met. And the first basic need and priority was food. Then, of course, it was about shelter and protection. And, you know, 30% of our children in Chalkit are migrants and refugee children who just want to go to school and, you know, make sure they have three meals a day. And so to ensure that they had access to education and, you know, the teachers, staff, getting social workers to to um, to go out there, to be able to get permission to go to house visits, which is still not done. Um, third round, third round, um, we, we still can't do that. Um, but I will tell you very frankly, I don't run Yayasan Chalkit anymore. Um, um, I do the advocacy, I do the fundraising, I do the cases if it's really hard and I'm the loudmouth and troublemaker if it needs to get, a, you know, a loudspeaker and <laughs> then they will um, because I am the biggest troublemaker. I, 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 you know, I say this lovingly to myself. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, but you know, but and then and then I do things outside because people ask, right? So so I work with the stateless in in Sabah because I've known some of them for a while, and they're in trouble, right? And you know, and that person in Jinjiang or Kajang or Kelantan or Trengganu, you know, I know one person, and they sort of spread the word, and the word got out. And you know, how do you say no? How do you say no when people hold up pictures of their children and show pictures of their kitchen and leave you voicemails and they're crying on the phone because they have no food? You know, um, this morning, you know, I had some, and these are strangers, yeah? It's referral, so refer someone yeah. refers to someone to someone. And, you know, and this guy who lost his job doing delivery services at one of the big supermarkets, he lost his job. And, and you know, and he said, can you just give me a bit of money because I was retrenched a year ago and and if when you take give the money i will then be able to go to the atm machine which is 41 kilometers away oh wow. by bicycle 41 and my heart just went block you can't block them you know it's just it, yeah so so it gets overwhelming i had a, another friend call me this morning she's like how on earth are you doing this right 100 families a day asking for help that's almost 600 people a day right i'm one person so you know we had a bunch of friends who've seen me whining and complaining and you know and like 
whatever, saying I want chocolate and coffee, which is my stress mechanism in cupcakes. Um, you know, so what? we got to help Tini. So they all like came together, we pull and we have different initiatives just to help, right? And someone says, okay, we're getting you a phone. So you have someone else mm -hmm. taking over those hundred for food, please. So I think it's really, you know, you want to say that you're just doing this work in Chalket and you're just doing children. I can't, not yeah, in this yeah. time. It's really about yeah. humanity, right? And yeah. helping your neighbors. So it's just pichinla, pukela. There's no boundaries. Roll out your sleeves and do it. Absolutely. Okay. So now coming to what, what you were sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, just, I just I just going to allude to what Tini said much earlier. When you were when you were in the US, you thought that there were no poor people in Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, I think I think this pandemic has revealed that there are lots of people out there who are really in need. Uh, even before the pandemic, but I think the pandemic has kind of like you know uh, brought to light uh, this great uh, issue of of the differences between those who have and those who have not, uh, or people, those who survive with very little things. You know, part of our conversation this morning was to be able to have a kind of a, a, a reality check, just to feel the pulse on the ground. Many of us are, are, are locked in, in, a, in a lockdown, you know. Uh, we hear these things, you know, that people need this, people are this. You are people who are on the ground, you know. If you could, maybe Anand can start uh, to say, you know, what what's the pulse on the ground at this time, you know, among people, you know, what what, what don't don't we see? We hear, but you see, it. so relate what you see to us, uh, you know. Let us see what's happening in Malaysia through you. I think it's uh, it's really sad. I mean, you know, talking to uh, to Tin to Tini, I'm I'm tearing up because uh, you know we we. We see Kuala Lumpur as a, you know, it's concrete, it's a skyscrapers, and and it's beautiful, right? And everybody stays in their beautiful home, uh, but you you have no idea what's going on next door. And and I think the, this pandemic is, it's not only the poor, is you know the people who have become urban poor overnight, the you know people who, who who do not. You see, you, I mean, you know, when people are poor, they have already learned to manage their life, you, you, know, you know what I mean, with very little budget, because mm -hmm. this is in the position that they are. But you, there is people who, who have never experienced this. And, and suddenly it's, it's a massive change. And, and we, we, we go around and, you, you know, like, I have experiences. I mean, the other day we were in Brickfield uh, distributing uh, essential goods and at one point, you know, we 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 met the family uh, in the street, and suddenly five people stops around the car, ten people stops around the car, thirty people stops around the car, and suddenly mm -hmm. I'm like, we're gonna open the car and take everything. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah. it's 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 you people are are really in need and 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 there is frustration because they they, they seems to be asking a lot of places and and the, the government uh, cannot cater or is overwhelmed by the situation and is not able to help and and yeah you you can see this uh this frustration of people wanted to survive you, you know and you, we have never seen this before i i really think that this this mco emco is really pushing people to to the other side you, you know of of the ages you know and uh, you know, uh, we stopped and we were another occasion. There was this lady who come down and we we give her the essential and she saw three bags 
of Maggie Mee. And she cried because she said, I will be able to give something else to my children than rice. Maggie Mee, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, this, this, yeah, I, I, I thought, I don't know. I mean, for me, it, it blows my mind because I, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming because you never see the end of, of it. And I was talking to, to Jensen the other day and I says, you know, are we going to be able to really like help all of these people? And, and his answer is, uh, we are only here to give a better beginning, uh, a light of hope to people. Then they are cared for. Then, then we have them in their mind, and they say that will push them to to the next step. And I think that was really, really powerful. Hi, Tini. What about yourself? I try really hard not to cry, so I eat more chocolate. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is horrible. Yeah. It is horrible on the ground now. Um, you know, I have the privilege because I, I am a consultant for the Malaysian Red Crescent. So I actually do strategy, right? So I do like the lofty policy strategy. What are we going to do to get more money? You know, the partnerships. I do that work, right? And 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 then you see what's happening with YCK and we have staff and we're galvanizing and trying to move and, you know, address children. And then, and then you know, I do Sabah and Klantan and the single mothers and all. That's my personal capacity. And you see, and the stories I think are heartbreaking. I, I will give you one. Um, so a mother asked me for help. Um, we usually try to give 200 ringgit um, to last a family or for, for, for one month, yeah? It's 50 ringgit a week. And so I gave her 200 ringgit and she was so happy because she had all these children hungry. And then she sent me a picture of her daughter eating a bowl of porridge, bubo. And I said, wait a second, I just gave you 200 ringgit. Why is she only eating porridge with no meat, with no vegetables? And she said, oh, but, but she can survive on, she on, on, on bubo because I have to pay the rent. We, I have never, yes, had poor people not pay rent, not so many, and not so many single mothers, not so many being kicked out of their homes, not so many being driven out of their homes, not so many losing their jobs. I am having by the hundreds um, in Klantan, in Tranganu, in Sabah. Today, this morning, this guy was telling me, yes, he lost his job working as a delivery person in a food place. Another lady was 28 years old. She got laid off uh, working in a factory. And she says, I don't worry about me, but I can see my parents, my older parents despairing because, because I have 86 ringgit in my bank and I don't know where I'm going to buy the next meal. It's not enough to last me food for two weeks. And you hear these stories over and over again, right? And you just think to yourself, like, what can you do? And, you know, and, and it's fine to say we do what we can, but that, for me, that's really lofty. And that's really condescending in many ways because we can't do just what we can. We need to do more and we need to do more and we need to, to sort of share our resources and our love and our, and our compassion with a lot more people than we want to because we have to. Because if we don't, children are dying. Children are hungry. The elderly are sick and they're dying. And, you know, and we don't see this because we have a house. We don't need to worry about rent. We don't need to worry about food. But there are so many out there who don't. Um, 
So I eat a lot of chocolates and cupcakes to stress you. As I said. <laughs> and for me, a sense of humor during these horrible times is very important. Or you can absolutely. go absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. So, you know, being, being your own caretaker and being your own self-care person is also very important. And so for my excuses, I'll, I'll lose the, the weight next year. You know, but <laughs> I, need to, I need to do what I can to cope because, because people count. And not because I'm so amazing or so important, I'm just like you and the next person and the next person and the next person, but because it gets stressful and I'm only human and I am moved and I am compelled um, to help the next person. So whoever I can help, I help. But I have to do more than just help, right? I need to make sure they're okay. Because you know, these people who ask for food are gonna come back in two weeks. Mm. We have no strategy. We have no system. You know, like I was, I was in Djibouti during the war time. It was a civilian uh, war. And it, the, the, where we are now, it makes me think of a war time. It's, yes. it's exactly the same of what I have seen, but because we, have never, it, because we don't see the enemy and we are constantly on Netflix watching all series and we think there is absolutely no problem happening. I think the, the, society, the society at large is in total denial of what's happening in the hospitals. Uh, in totally in denial of what's happening in, in the ground, you, you, you know? And yeah, I like for, for me who have went through the, the Djiboutian civil war, when I go on the ground, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Wow. I totally agree. I totally agree. I don't even know. I watch movies, but <laughs> I swear it feels like I'm battling enemies I don't even see and trying to go in and help the citizens and the children like, stop, stop the fighting, stop the politics, stop the whatever. I'm like, oh my God, this is a war and we're losing, we're losing. And you need to, you need to just put on, don on your battle fatigues and get out there, roll up your sleeves and get out there. I don't mean helping the next state or the next district. Just check on your people down the street, you know, and, and like I said, we're ordinary people. We're not, I didn't study anything, you know, to, nobody told me, nobody told me how to do this work. Nobody taught any of us how to do this work. You just have to do it, you know, and just yeah. organize, ask questions, but it is a battle and it is a war and we're losing this war. We are. So in that case, how do we help in this war? Where do we come in? How can anybody, you know, anyone at all who's watching actually make a difference? Because if it's a war, it's a, it's a battle that's never going to end, not until we find a solution, are we? But, you know, and I don't know about world job tactics. Go ahead, I know. But I was just thinking street to street, right? I mean, that's what I read and see in magazine movies, right? So it's street to street, like start with street, your own street. Check on the mental health. Make sure everybody's okay. If you if your street is fine, then go to the next street. Go to the next street. Go to, but I think if every person just does what is around them, then then that would help, right? And if you know, I'm talking to my friends. I mean, the whole day today, that's all I'm doing is meetings, meetings, meetings. Like talking to people, like strategizing, like how do we do this, right? Neighborhood by neighborhood, petrol station by petrol station, you know, area by area. If the government can't do it for whatever reason. Okay, fine, government can't do it, but we can't depend on them. We need to do this ourselves. Food is a basic need. You can't Absolutely. survive without no food. 
you know, mental health and all our privileges now when they should be something that it's that's a constant, right? We need yeah. to think about our mental health as well, you know, but, you know, all this is supposed to go hand in hand. The fact that, you know, education is now not accessible to all, that's that it's a privilege for those who have internet. How yeah. is that right? How is that right? You know, so yes, it can get overwhelming, but if you do one family at a time, one person at a time, one street at a time, one area at a time, and everybody pitches in, that covers the whole country. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot, a lot different people can help at different level. Uh, you, you know, first I'm, I'm looking at all of these companies who do canned food. Well, if you, if you do canned food, every time the can is not, or the can is not pretty, it cannot be in the supermarket anymore because nobody takes it. Yep. So it goes back to the factory. You, you're not going to do anything with this can. Give it away. Give, give it away. I mean, at the end of the day, take it as your CSR, take it as your branding. You, you know, why are you holding on those cans and you're not going to sell? I mean, that blows me away. And then when you call them, they, they kind of, they, they are reluctant to give you those cans. But I'm like, you're not going to use it. These people which is dying of food out there, <laughs> give those bloody cans. And, and, and you know, and not everybody... Uh, you know, wants to give it. There's people who are uh, in a more comfortable situation financially. You know, uh, you know, reach our website. You, you know, we 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 take every single sense that you can give. You, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, the one, the Saturinget, also we take. <laughs> also we take. We take. Yeah, it the Saturinget is very important, yeah. It makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference because we, we are yes. 8 million people in Malaysia. You know, you know, if half of it give 50 cents, it's it's massive. It, it's a it's about 4 million, right? You, 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 you know, so 2 million. So let, let's take it. And and then after that, there is, I remember my grandfather uh, went through the war, always put on the table the plate for the poor. I was raised always have an empty seat with a plate, a knife, everything. And that was the plate for the poor. So our table, there was always a seat ready for whoever will come or whoever oh, wow. will pass. Yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I think today, if we, the people who cook, right? If you can just pack one of your meals, if you cook for, you cook for four, you cook for five. You, you, you know, pack it, leave it in the front of someone which is in need. You, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't need, maybe you're shy, you don't want to knock at the door and give it to them. You know, whatever, just just do one meal a day, then you give away. If we all do that, like Malaysia, 8 million people, we, we, we have a way of, of, of really helping, but a lot of people say, oh, you know, this leftover, you know, nobody wants it, so let, let's just throw it away. You know, I only have five ringgit to give. Who is interested with five ringgit? You know, let me not just give. And But actually is that extra meal that you give that help us take care of other people. Is that five ringgit that you give that help us to accumulate those five ringgit and help, be able to, to help people on the ground? So there is no little help. And I think that that plate for the poor, I think is really, really powerful. I love them. Yeah. I think uh, most of us pay a lot more for delivery charges. 
you know so that money can actually go towards preparing a warm meal for a family out there yeah. you never know how much help you can yeah. actually do so yeah so when you said that you know even one ringgit makes a difference i'm thinking wow half the time we're paying like you know five ringgit ten ringgit for delivery so imagine what that could possibly do yeah you know I, you know for me it's very simple ten ringgit feeds a child three three meals a day because we can get you know one meal a day for three ringgit right it's about less than that nine ringgit gets three meals a day for a child um, but I need to correct you, Anna, because we have 32.8 million. Yeah, we have 32.8 We were not 8 million in so long. Let's take it. Let's take it. I'm so sorry, but we got to help a lot more. I, I, I was just listening. I was just listening to him, and I, and 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 I just thought we in the pandemic we we we, we lost we lost about 24, 24 million people. And are we left with eight eight million people in Malaysia? It's okay. We will forgive the French man in Malaysia. <laughs> no, no, no. I just so, want to question okay, about that. So. I need to tell you about the reality. No, but honestly, though, I mean, <laughs> ten ringgit. Ten ringgits, three meals. Yeah, no, I just, that's, I, that's I think, yeah, I think both of you have kind of like you know brought out the point that that every one of us can do something, you know, and we, yeah, I mean, we don't have to do big things. Uh, we can do small things uh, in 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 yeah. little ways to help. And and I hear so many different stories of people helping out. Uh, you know, when they go to pump petrol and they see this little uh, kind of a shelf. Uh, they just put some things there or they just buy some things and, and put it on the shelf. And I think that those are little things that people can, can yes. start doing that each one of us yes. can do because even though we are locked in homes, uh, I, I know of, of a family that you know just set up a little kind of a, a kiosk in a grocery store to put things there and people just take as, as what they want. I think this is not the time to judge people, you know, who takes or who doesn't take or, or do people take more than what is necessary. It's, it's bound to happen, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure you working on the ground, you will also see that people, you know, being humans, they do not know when their next where their next meal is going to come from. So they may take, you know, they may take more than what is needed. But I think this is the time, you know, to put our put aside our our judgment of people and and just be able yeah. to to contribute in in what whatever small way we can. Um, no, it, it, it's so it's so moving to just hear your your stories, and I'm sure there are there are you know loads of other stories. Uh, that uh, that you you can tell, but just can trying to sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. I interrupted no, you. Just just trying to kind of like come to, to to grasp, you know. Yeah, we know maybe that the system has failed us, or the system is is not working as how it should work. Uh, I, I'm just thinking in the sense that you know to be able to reach out to your neighbor, and I think Anand has got a good uh, suggestion: cook one extra meal. Or, or you know, buy one extra bag of rice if you're buying and give it to someone. And I think, what, what, what moves you? I, I just maybe just coming back to what you were saying earlier. You know, at this time, to move others. How, how do you inspire others during this time? You know, how how do you be? How can you be a a, a, a flicker of hope? Because it's a time when you know every day when you. When the daily reports come up, you know it's just like for me, it's 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 like more and more depressing. You know, every day you hear the case number of cases are going up. What can we do to to be a flicker of hope to someone else, to inspire someone else? 
I want to say I inspire people, but I don't. I scare people. Um, um, this is not true, Tindy. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> but how how do you how do you how do you give hope? How do you give hope to the poor uh, at this time? Well, first of all, I ask permission if I can share their stories, um, because people want to know that they are a source of inspiration and sort of the source of what's happening on the ground to, to say that I have spoken to you and that your voice is heard. I think many times the poor and marginalized and vulnerable never have their voices here heard. So what I do is act as a conduit, as a as a loudspeaker to sort of amplify their voices. Um, but I do ask permission first. I do a lot on social media in terms of sharing stories and photos with permission and explain why this is happening. It's not about asking for money for me because I'm an activist here. Yeah? So for me, it's very important that I highlight what's going on and I tell people, as many people as possible, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, and to humanize those numbers. We talk about 8,000 cases and we talk about 10 million, you know, 32.8 million where only 10% perhaps or 8% are, are rich, very rich. Um, we need to put faces to the voices of the poor, they're not numbers. Their entire families and individuals in trouble through no fault of their own. You know, yes, we have had poor prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic has made things a lot worse. And while that's happening all around the world, I think we need to step up. We need to highlight, showcase, and say, look, this is the issue. This is what's happening. Can more people help? And you know, Malaysians, as a whole, we're very generous and we're very kind. And we say this all the time, like, you know, it's a mantra. Malaysians are generous and very kind, but we are. But I think there has to be, we have to do a little bit more than just be generous and kind and really open our eyes and see and accept and acknowledge the fact that so many are in trouble and that it is not a distant issue. This is your next door neighbor or the neighbor on the other side of the street or the neighbor down the road. So, so we need to acknowledge that and understand that it is a collective responsibility of us as Malaysians or us living in Malaysia, because we have non-Malaysians living here too, to step up and help. I have a poor child who is 17 who gives me 10 ringgit. That's all. She's poor herself, yeah? 10 ringgit every month. And I, she said, I know this is all. I said, and that's how I always say 10 ringgit pays for one day, three meals for one child. So never say, you're not, this is all I have, or this is all I can do, because you're doing a hell of a lot more than a lot of other people. So that's my message. Yeah. That's how I do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I really love uh, what, what Tini says, you, you know, is I think the way that you, for me, I mean, I, I, I keep the good vibes. You, you know, when I'm on the ground, I, I keep being, you know, happy, positive, cheer up because the, the people then we are already seeing, they are already done. You, you, you know, like, I mean, live, being stuck at home, it's already painful, but being stuck at home with no money to eat, it's, it's even worse, right? And yeah, I want to, I, for me, it's been this, this, this bubble of energy, you, you know what I mean? And come on, man, it says, guys, okay, let's go do it. It's going to get better. Don't worry. You know, fight through it, you know, and yeah, give them a little bit of a light of hope, you, you know, for those people that we go and see, because I don't think then 
we are pulling into, into sadness helps you know so I, I think for me is go go see them give them of course the essential food uh being full of energy and compassion and listening to them i think yeah. having a lot, having a lot of empathy because i think these people feel that they are not hurt because they they are literally uh they literally yeah. abandoned yeah they're abandoned, yeah. abandoned by the society at large because you everybody i i don't I, there is so many people who can help they just refuse to help yeah you, you know and i think that is really yeah i think that's really sad you, 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 you know so yeah being listening to them make, make, make them feel that they exist at least for me at that time well said very well said amazing yeah. Now, I'm just curious, though, when you go down to the streets, go down to the ground, and you are faced with so many people, you're overwhelmed by the response. Now, Arnold, you say you are that bubble of hope, right? A bubble of energy. And Tini, you are loud and you speak for the people. But when you go home and you digest this and you sit by yourself, what, what goes through your mind after what your whole mission has taken you to? You know, to how speak. do you feel? I want to sleep. I'm to sleep. I'm exhausted. Chocolates and cupcakes. Chocolates, cupcakes, and then I go to sleep. I'm serious. I'm exhausted. And then a little cry once in a while. I think I hold so much sadness and anger in my stomach. Yes. No, and I think it's the cupcakes. But I think, I think you know, when I have kids, and, you know, by the time I home, I have, I see them, and you know they've been stuck at home for so long. Yeah. Um, by the time I finish dinner, I don't want to talk to anyone because I've been on the phone 150 times that day, and it's terrible because I have a personal life and I have my own life. So you know, having to, even if my daughter like speaks and I'm falling asleep, at least she thinks I'm listening. <laughs> now she knows I wasn't. Um, but, you know, um, um, but honestly, I I just want to sleep because I know. Six o'clock in the morning. It's another phone day. It's another day. So I try to I try to sleep six hours if I'm lucky. Um, um, but usually it's three to four, and I think it's important. I'm trying a lot harder on that. Um, but I can't switch off the phone. And blocking, please, because it's overwhelming. Isn't working either. You can't do that. You can't turn people off. Yeah. I don't know the answers. Um, I'll just tell you how I cope. Yeah, I, I think that the, the hardest thing is to tell someone I don't have for you right now. I, I that that really that really yeah. touched me. You know, you know, we a few days ago we went and helped uh, some Filipinos, and the the reason why we went and helped it is we have all of these labor workers who are here to to make our life fantastic. You know, normal time, right? They are in a restaurant, you know, they are helping us to, to have a better life. And then suddenly there is the pandemic that comes and nobody thinks about them. And they are the one who she's like, it's hand to mouth, right? There is no work, there's nothing in the hand, there's nothing in the mouth, it's, 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 it's direct. And and suddenly, of course, you know, I will text them and I say, hey guys, I'm coming, you know, be ready, you know, be at home, you know, because I will be coming to bring you some food. And when I give them the food, within 15, 20 minutes, 
they start giving me the address of other people who needs it. Yeah. And, and then yeah. It's, a, it's a snowball, right? So suddenly you're like, okay, I have enough. I will be able to help that person. And then suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, there is 10 hundreds new person numbers. And I, I'm like, I, I can't, you, you can't help it. And, and people call you and says, you know, can, can you give me? And, and sometimes we just don't have enough food or, of essential to help. And yeah, that, that is that is the hard part is is not to be able to help at at that point of time. It says, okay, I keep you in my list. As soon as I have, I will come, I will come and help you. I will come and do something, you know? And mm-hmm. and I want to say I, I was putting help on my uh, Instagram uh about me helping the Filipinos. And there is a person that says, Why are you helping the Filipinos? Like kind of angry. And I'm like, guys, I say, we are in Malaysia. This is like, like you can today don't think of race, don't think of religion, don't think of, of nationality, because we are all stuck here. We are here. You know, like if if we do not help people, people will need to survive, right? If we do not help people, it will be the door open for minor criminality. To people to go in the shop and start uh, stealing things because people need the you human will adapt and they they will survive one way or another. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to stop thinking. Oh, I'm only helping Malaysian. I'm only helping Chinese. I'm only helping Malay. I'm only helping uh, you, you know Christian. I'm only helping Muslim guys. This we, we are we have we are past and beyond this. We just now need to help as a human i would just need to to help each other because if you, you know it's like a domino effect right you, you know what i mean if you don't help people at the end of the domino chain it's not pretty yeah yeah exactly um i always say i, I this is my 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 activist advocate advocacy tagline i'm like the national security threat isn't from outside. It isn't Rohingya refugees coming on boats. Yeah. The threat is not helping. Is already inside that that we that we discriminate or we have xenophobia or that we make this divisive divisive decision to you know say only Malaysians or only whether we're all in Malaysia. Everyone and so I'm very careful in the words. I never say Malaysian. I always say help those in Malaysia. Because we're all exactly as Anna says, we are stuck here. The threat is if we don't help everyone. The threat is if you exclude anyone. The threat is if you say this person doesn't eat because you know what? Exactly, people will survive. They need to survive and they will find ways. You know, and you know, we can focus on the short-term goal of helping giving food and stuff, but we do need to think of better ways later. Yes, but mm. but we have to continue what we do now, which is for me, very reactionary and very stuff, but it's necessary because people are hungry and people are losing their homes and children are hungry and not having milk and drinking coconut milk because there's no milk in the house. Yeah. Cannot. And and so for us, you know, if you really want to help Malaysia, help everyone in Malaysia, not just Malaysians. Yeah. And, and I, you know, discrimination. You know, and I, I, I wish that the government will do you know really because we need to consider this as as a wartime you know i mean like you know we are very often at the hospitals 
and seeing the situation of the hospital is, is overwhelming and the, the, the frontliners are really, really tired. And we need to do food ration. We, we need the government needs to pack food ration and be able to distribute it every day. You, you know what I mean? If really like, you know, I, if we don't do this, we are now, I mean, at 9,000 plus case, right? You, you know, uh, that's mean the lockdown is going to continue. The lockdown continuing means more and more people will lose jobs. More and more people will have to close businesses. Mm. This is the reality of things. I mean, let, let's not be in denial and, and, and see what's happening on Netflix. <laughs> you know, the reality of things is, is, is really, is really, is really shocking. And, I, and, and the basic necessity of eating, that is something that I, I, I hope the government, you know, take into consideration and start distributing food. Because at the moment, uh, you know, I've, I think in the new budget, they have given money to the YBs, you, you know, to give. But, you, you know, how is that utilized? You know, what is given really? What goes to the ground? How much of it is really going to the ground? You know, I'm, I'm sure there is some fantastic YBs around Malaysia and, and maybe there is the others. You, you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nicely put. <laughs> you, 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 you say so. You so you say so little that you say so much. You know? Yeah, man. <laughs> no, but because I I have been in this country twenty five yeah. years. This country has been so good to me. I have opportunities that I would never have if I would have been in France. You, you, you know what I mean? I am, I am privileged to have been a guest in this country. And I take it as my duty to today to give back. Today to help people because you, you cannot just take, 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 take all the time, right? It's, it's not right. You, you know, at one point you need to realize how blessed you are and it's, it's your time to bless others. And, and uh, I will do what I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, no, I, I think we have we have some some interesting questions from from some engagement with our, with our audience uh, yes, this morning. Maybe yeah, maybe Meg, you want to take some? Uh... Yeah, sure. Okay, we've got Lata who says, "Heads off to the both of you. What have you? Uh, what you have seen and shared with us are emotionally painful." But she does have a question. She wants to know how do you keep yourself going despite the many challenges that you go through every day? Chocolates, coffee, and cupcakes. <laughs> 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 you need a pick me up, and that's like the perfect combination. Sugar and caffeine, because it's really that, and honestly, that, and you know, that my kids are safe at home and my family is safe. Um, it, it gives me reassurance that I can go out, and and it's okay to go out and help others. But yeah, coffee, cupcakes, and chocolates. Seriously, okay. Um, no, 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 no. No. And you jump in there. But it, 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 must be, it, it must be difficult. Uh, sorry, it, it must be difficult, Tini. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Meg alluded to that earlier. How do you distance yourself? Downtime? Do you have downtime? I mean, just Personal you know, time. me time for a while boundaries. with your family. I, yeah, I'm not very good at boundaries, which is something. That <laughs> 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 um, it's good, you know, it's like one big, you know, kaleidoscope of colors and just doing and time. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, sensibly there should be boundaries and turning off and, you know, someone suggested to me this morning, like, you know, give them like the doctor is in right on call and say, you can only 
you know, ask me for help for food between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. After 6 p.m., I am not going to answer your call. Um, mm. So she just told me that today. So I, I will try that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I, also, I also can't do it. What, what keeps me going is as, as a Christian, I, re I really think then the good will prevail. I know that we will get through this. I know. And I, I do not know the verse, but I think in, in the Bible days, it says at one point, and it, you know, to feel the grace of God, you need to feel the pain of people. Wow. And, wow. and this is for me is really that what keeps me going is you, you go out there, you see what's out there and yeah, you, 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 you know, then you are in, in wow. God's good book. <laughs> <laughs> are you just getting no. brownie points or not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want brownie points too. I want brownie points. Too. No, but no, it's, it's, no. you, you, you know, like we we always want more of our life, right? We, I mean, we everybody has ambitions and and hope, yeah, and, and sometimes we always complain, you know, of yeah. what we have, you, you know. And and, and father, which leading a ministry, you know, sees that from the beginning of his <laughs> job. I think, you know, <laughs> you know but when you are faced to reality, yeah. you're like you're like. Oh God, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to be in a position that I am in today to be able to serve and help others. And, and that keeps me going. Okay, so we have another so one lovely, here. Not that I'm competitive. That's what okay. she said. Alexander is asking, do you think there should be a centralized platform for all NGOs or charity organizations to strategically coordinate and help each other out and to be informed on the lack or surplus of supply so that, you know, they can actually meet the needs of a bigger pool of people or, you know, channel the yeah. needs to where it is really needed? <laughs> That's a double-edged sword, yeah. I do mm. think we need to align our efforts so that there's no duplication and replication. But, you know, I think it's it's also difficult to have just one platform so that so so everybody, you know, sort of knows or demarcates their areas of where they're going to help, etc. Um, I do think we do need to check in. We have like WhatsApp chat groups, right, on food distribution. I think I'm in like three different food distribution <laughs> strategies. Um, what Right. So, so yes, there's a lot of you know informal aligning of 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 who does what and mapping out who does what. Um, but the truth of the matter is, there are still pockets of people who are not going to be covered because it's huge. You know, we talk about Sabah; it's huge. Nobody can do everything. Sarawak, yeah. Nobody can do everything. Klantan, Tunganu, you know, Kalslango. There's so many. But, you know, we're not going to cover everyone. So I think, you know, it's it's okay for, for us to have neighborhood little informal groups to check on one another and maybe, you know, check in with a bigger group once in a while. But I think to formally adopt one platform, it's going to be difficult. That's yeah, it, it would take too long to put in place. Yeah. It would, it would take very long to put in place. And, yeah. and I think they, rules and guidelines. And if you don't yeah. follow, you're going to get kicked out. I would be the first to get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> but you would be an asset. <laughs> no, but there is already. No, you'd be the first to get kicked out. 
Yeah, there's some yeah. people who took the initiative to put uh, like a WhatsApp app with all the food bank, right? Which That's I think right. is fantastic, yeah. but the reality is that the people who need the food bank maybe don't have a mobile or data yeah. is that app, right? Uh, and mm. let, let, let's do a reality, you, you know, Malaysia have these B40, M40s and, you, you, you know, so 40% 40 of the population is B40. So those, those, those already, we know they are in need, correct? And yeah. there is M40 and between the M40, I think there is the bottom part of the M40, which maybe is, it's another 20%, which is the urban poor. So yeah. we are talking about 60% of those 32 million that needs yeah. help. It, it, yeah. you, you, you can't you can't help you can't have a platform then you, you know what i mean it's it's at the end of the day it's it's really organic is you, you you get money you you bring the food together you go and deliver you bring you get money yeah, you, yeah it, it's it's like that it's it's really organic on the day-to-day -day basis yeah we're not we're talking about emergencies here yeah this is not a csr initiative this yeah, is something yeah. where people are hungry haven't eaten in two days mustered the courage to call you to ask you for help and then you say okay wait wait till you know the money comes or you get the food i'm like cannot i mean i've emptied personally my bank account three times because if you wait for food and you wait for money those people are like people are going to wait another two days you yeah. can't do that you can't do that you know, yeah. so that's I always, why I always a, believe that a warm meal is family. not really a privilege, it's just a need, really. You it's know, a so need. you can't, you really can't do without. Yeah. So, you know, for me, like, you know, guidelines, SOPs, <laughs> whatever, wait, wait, you know, no, 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 it's not right. I'm very curious though, we can help and help and help, but is there like an end goal? I mean, how much do we do or how far do you guys like, you know, have like this thing where we hope to help this family so that they can finally get back on their feet. But then again, there's so many who are suffering and so many more who are suffering in silence, you know. So what I, I, is the end goal? I'm always curious. I actually have a 12 o'clock meeting after this looking at strategy, right? I told you I have a day um, Looking at ways in which we can look at long-term solutions, mid-term solutions to addressing the issue. The issue now is an emergency, right? We're okay. in crisis. So what we're doing right now, what we're talking about is crisis. Crisis, okay. intervention, short-term, the short-term might be a year, who knows, right? Yeah. But we need to think about recovery. We need to think about, you know, how to get these people, you know, sustainable livelihoods, jobs back, right? And all these things have to get done because Absolutely. you're right, we will get out of the pandemic or we live with it, right? Mm. So, so, so we have to do this food thing for a while until it sort of stabilizes, whenever that stabilizes, we'll know. We'll know when we get less calls for help. We'll know when people don't starve as much. We'll know when children are back in school and they're eating and, you know, there's, there's, there's systems in place that however imperfect is, there will be systems running. Then we know it's time to look at, you know, to, to sort of implement the intervention and the long-term recovery, whatever it is. So, so yeah, no, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. So, yeah, so now it's like, Fire, 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 put out the fire. Then we're going to look at, oh, my God, look at what's happening. Sorry, I didn't mean that. But look at what's happening, um, um, you know, and see how we can sort of build, rebuild livelihoods and look at innovative ways to, you know, do urban farming or rural farming or whatever it is, looking at food yeah. security. Our pillars on what matters to human beings and to, to Malaysians or people in Malaysia is, is, has changed. 
Yeah, yeah? totally. Yeah, definitely. So we're looking at like gig economies, platforms, digital, virtual, vertical farming, food security, water, forced <laughs> wage, you know, all these things that new ones. I'm like listening to my kids, you know, talking about all these things. And I'm like, what? What food waste? <laughs> what, what? What? I've never heard about this, right? So now it's like, this is the reality climate change. Yeah, it's changed. Yeah. So I'm just reading as fast as I can and it's trying to, trying to help as much as I can. So yeah, don't know. I have no so idea. We, so we help them for now because there is an emergency and then eventually we'll help them to, you know, get placements and job oh, security and stuff like that. Okay. I think right. that can only happen if we are really also taking the vaccination really seriously. Oh, for sure. Yeah, at, at the moment, I mean, this is the, this is the end goal, right? Once everybody or the majority of people is vaccinated, then then life can go back as normal. I mean, you, you know, Singapore was saying uh, not long ago then says, you, you know, COVID nineteen is here to stay. We have to learn how to live with it. Yeah. And, and and I think that it's it, it's really accurate. And now is how do we we have learned how not to fall into state of emergencies or, you know, with the incubators and, and all of these things like that, right? So maybe the vaccine is not, a, you know, a real vaccine. Maybe it's more of a pre-treatment, you know, to avoid us, uh, you know, falling extremely sick. But it's still something that people yeah. have today. There were 72,000. I'm very good with numbers, so maybe someone has to correct me. But <laughs> <laughs> Thousands of people who miss their vaccination appointment. Yeah. I'm like, this, this, this is crazy because this is you, today you cannot think, oh, I want or I don't want sukata sukata. You just have to do it because mm -hmm. it's for the common good. You, you know, yeah, maybe you're in a privileged situation that you don't need it because you're, you know, you're not dealing with underground people, you're at home, and you know, but it's not going to pass. Everybody have to take their vaccination because that's the only way that Tini and I can sleep. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, yeah. You, you know, because what? Yeah. Yeah, once we have immunization, then people can go back to work. You know, yeah. those hand to mouth, right? They can go back to work. They can go back and, and, and they, the economy can start restart. Make a then we, then we look at what we need to do then. But that's that's really, uh, yeah, this is really where we have to go: is vaccination, vaccination, vaccination. Okay. I guess I okay. guess that's 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 the that's the long term goal in it. I mean, if you want to get people to to a phase of recovery, getting back to their lives, only then can we talk about you know how to get people. If people are vaccinated. I think we we have had a couple of shows uh, also encouraging people to you know to take the vaccine, but yeah. as like what Anand said, you know, there's still some hesitancy among even 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 people who are who are you know what we would term as educated. There's you know because you you read a lot of things that that's being forwarded. You know, every day there's there's yeah. something new, something different. People buy into this kind of rhetoric. Uh, it's you know, and I think it's it's to 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 get our lives back. Uh, to reclaim our lives, I think that that probably is one of the strategies. That I, I guess Tini, you'll be talking about later at twelve o'clock. You know, in terms of long-term <laughs> strategy. But I, I think you know, to what what uh, Alex was saying just now, I was just thinking, you know, when we try and make this very organized, like you said, you know, the problem comes is you know, you know, regulations, verification, 
And it just slows down the whole process, isn't it? I mean, to get food to people's tables. Uh, you know, when you have a major organization trying to put this thing together, because you're accountable, you want to do... But I always, I always, I've been saying to people is that, you know, if a few friends can get together and say, okay, we're going to do this in our neighborhood, you don't need SOPs, you don't, you don't, need, you don't need regulations, you don't need, you know, uh, strict, uh, you know, guidelines. Just few friends getting together and say, okay, let's do this, uh, you know, I know in our in our comment sections, people are asking, okay, how how do I donate to to the to the, the giving bank? Giving how do bank. I donate? How do I donate to? Uh, yeah, yes, I'm but, yes. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you disagree with me, but in the sense that uh, this morning thinking. the conversation this morning is is not about raising funds, but the conversation no. this morning is about what difference can you make with in your exactly. neighborhood uh, with exactly. your friend. And I think that's what we want to encourage people. You know, yeah, uh, yeah we, we are putting up uh, their their website, link to their website. But I think yeah. more effectively, I think if people who are listening in can just call up two, three friends and say, "Okay, let's do something." You know, uh, maybe in in the in the petrol kiosk that is nearby, there's something there that we can put up, or maybe in in the grocery store that I go to, the supermarket that I go to, there's there's a there's a kind of a a food shelf that I could contribute. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to make a difference uh, yeah. for a lot of us. Can I? Can I? Because uh, yeah, I always, I always do this. Sorry, interrupt people. Sorry, I, <laughs> no. I have to be listening. Um, but I always say this, right? I am. I'm horrible. I, I have to learn that. But I say this, right? If you get twelve friends to do something once a month, one friend does one thing once a year, but you have a year program, right? It's as simple as that. Your internal accountability and your internal whatever is between your friends, right? That's who you decide, whatever the rules are. But it, like I said, you get 12 friends. You do thing once a year. That's still a year program amongst your 12 friends. If you pull your funds together among 10 people and you give 100 ringgit, that is, I'm not sure, my math is horrible, 10,000. Right? So um, you're like, you're like, you're like numbers, right? <laughs> oh, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I'm a fundraiser. That's, um, that's 1,000. You're hoping for 10,000, yeah, 1, but it's 1,000. <laughs> okay, well, 1,000. 100 ringgit. Okay, whatever. Okay. 10 people, yeah. Um, I'm horrible. I can't remember. My math is horrible. Oh, my God. My teachers are going to kill me. Yeah, my math is horrible. So, anyway, the point is you can do a lot. You can do yeah. a lot with so little. For me, and I, I am a consultant on fundraising resource mobilization. I work for UN organizations, et cetera. And this is all I do, yeah. Strategy, strategy, fundraising. For me, the more important thing to helping people and to working on, on providing services and you know getting advocacy out there and helping the poor is not money. It's not. I know everybody thinks it's the most important thing. It's not. The most important thing is us, people, because there's no boundaries. It's up to us what we want to do. It's our brains. It's our connections. It's our spirit. And it's that it, what Anna has to be able to share. We can go a lot further in terms of sustainability. I'm not saying money is not important. I'm just saying it's not the most important. So this isn't for me about fundraising. This was for me a way to, to sit down and come together. Muslim, Christian, whatever, Malay, Chinese, Malay, Chinese, which is why I'm both. Um, you know, to come together and 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 talk about what matters and what matters is human beings and humanity and compassion and service. You know, I think we're all here because we we are of service or we try to be of service. I try 
to be of service to others, right? But the rest of you are. Um, and that for me is more important and it's priceless because it's, it's, it's not about money. Money goes down the toilet if you're corrupt. Money goes down yeah. the toilet if you don't think properly and if you don't care enough. So money is not the most important thing. So that's all I wanted to say. I have to go soon. I'm so sorry. Okay, so before yeah. we let you go, I just have one last question. If you had a chance, last question, sorry. If you had a chance to change one thing about the way things are right now with the poor and the marginalized, what would that be? Uh... Wow. I You're holding your tongue. Are you, you're so obvious. I so, um, <laughs> what would I change? I would change our attitude towards volunteerism and helping one another. Um, we need more of that. Um, so that's, that's the diplomatic answer, but that's also truth. <laughs> yeah. Anna, uh, I, I will I will I would love to change people's mindset then is it's too I don't want to give because it, what I give is too little. Uh, I don't want to give a food to my neighbor because I can only give a can. Or you know, you know what I mean? And I think then as as long as you give, the people who give have to be bigger than the people who need. That's the only way that you 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 you, you can help, right? And yeah, and I wish then you know, all of these military compound in Malaysia who have central kitchen, massive kitchens, you know, uh, stop cooking for, for the nation because we are really facing a wartime and I think we need to feed our nation. Beautiful, beautiful. So Arnold and Tim, I think, you know, you guys have actually enlightened the minds of a lot of us. And now we know the clearer picture of what the landscape is like out there because most of us are stuck at home. We really don't know what's happening. And you've actually helped us. And you now we know that it's not just about the money. It's about what we as people can do for our community, our society out there as well. So on behalf of Catholics at Home, we want to say thank you for joining us this afternoon or rather this morning. And we wish you all the best. And I hope there's more coffee and cupcakes and chocolates to go around yeah. for the both of you. Uh, Father Clarence, anything yeah, you'd like yeah, to yeah. add before I, they go? It's, it's, just, it's just amazing the energy that, that comes out of you, you know, just in this yeah. conversation. Uh, it's amazing, you know. Uh, I can only imagine that energy being translated into the work that you do uh, and it's probably magnified a hundred or one thousand times over. Uh, you know, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, and for this 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 conversation uh, and i hope that you know to just to say to, to all those who are listening to us if there's something that you can do maybe after the, listening to us just call up five friends you know just call up five friends and say let's let's do something you know uh, it doesn't always have to be like tini said it doesn't always have to be about channeling monies to to organizations yeah. but just call up five of your close friends and says let's do something uh, let's plan this out you know it doesn't have to be long term like Tini says, you know, maybe even just for the next six months, let's let's do something, exactly. and I think that will make a difference, you know. So just call up, just call up five friends, you know, before lunch today, and and say let's let's plan something. Uh, this evening we will meet and let's plan something to put some food somewhere, so that people. I think that would be the call to action, and and thank yeah. you so much, uh, Anand, for and Tina, uh, Tini for spending. I, I know Saturday morning probably it's, it's your downtime <laughs> or, your, or your me time. Yeah, I have to go only because I have to share the link for the next yeah. call. Bye. Okay. Bye. 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 B
Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. So, you know, our guest this morning has have been really inspiring, Father. I'm so inspired by the both of them. Mm. But, you know, that's the question I ask about long term, right? It's always been in my mind from the time I was a little girl. I used to ask my parents, if we keep feeding the poor and we only provide them one meal, like, for instance, for one month, right? What happens then after that one month, you know? Is mm. there like something we can help them for long term can we get a job can we get them a job can we get them a place to stay so i've always thought about things like this but today um hartini actually helped put perspective for me you know and give me that perspective that right now we're we are in an emergency and a lot of people really do need warm meals you know so yeah what what's your what have you taken out of this whole conversation father I think I think this is for me is that you know there are a lot of great people out there doing different things, people like Tini and Arnett. I think one thing that we need to remember is you know we don't have to be great people to be able to do something. Uh, yeah. you know even in our just in our in our own ordinary sense, just to move ourselves to do something. I think that's the most important thing that I'm taking that everyone will need to move, you know, uh, mm. and, and do something. That's why I, it's not saying that you know if after this we can just call up a few friends and say, Let's do something that's yeah. already a, a pathway to recovery, to helping yeah. each other. You know, uh, if just you know, two, three. I'm sure we all have two, three friends whom we can call and say, uh, "Let's do something." And and there are lots of uh, opportunities out there. That's all we we need to do. Yeah. So yeah. for me, that is you know, every one of us can do something this morning. Yeah, and it's very true, Father. You don't have to be great or, you know, you don't have to be rich to do something because I think a lot of us always tell ourselves when we be rich, right? When we are rich, we will help the people. Right now, I'm also struggling, so I can't help. But the thing is, a little bit goes a long way, you know, like like Arnold said, it's a warm meal for somebody, you know, placing that 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 seat at your table, knowing that someone else needs that meal, you know, it also makes a difference. And I yeah. think... Um, this past couple of weeks, you know, uh, there was a campaign that was recently launched um, that also showed that a lot of people are suffering in silence. So I think if you see it in your community, in your housing area, that's one way you can start as well. You know, reach out to that family because you never know. They are they may not be able to make uh, the, the rent this week. You know, they may have a little child who don't have milk, you know, so something can be done. Look yeah, that yeah, yeah. I think we just need to keep our eyes open. To turn Absolutely. a blind eye, to turn a blind eye at this time would be very cruel. Mm -hmm. uh, and probably, I mean, at some point, <laughs> you know, I think this is coming from Matthew's Gospel, chapter twenty-five, the final judgment. You know, when I was hungry, you gave me food; when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. You know, when I was naked, you clothed me. This is the moment. This is it. Uh, yeah. This is where the gospel comes alive at this time. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So look out, uh, look around. I think you notice that there are many people ask, asking for help as well and see how you can help your, you know, your community or help the people next door. Perhaps you may have a neighbor. Okay. You don't have to do, don't have to reach out. Okay. If you're in EMCO area, you want to reach out to KL a bit pushing it like you know so start from nearby la, okay so uh we are also right now um trying to garner ten thousand subscribers for our youtube channel so we'd like if you or rather we'd appreciate if you'd like to share this and get your friends to subscribe to our channel as well it'd be 
really, really doing us a favor. Thank you so much for that one. I want to thank you first. Um, also, for those of you who are looking out to help the Giving Bank or Yayasan Chow Kid, the links are at the bottom as well. You can also go check them out on any social media platform and it will be you right there. So I think, Father, I think it's about time we wrap up the show for this right. afternoon. Yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to say? For no, all our just, 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 you know, just, uh, you know, I, I think some of you may have watched that short uh, promo clip that we did uh, for Catholics at Home, which you will see at the end of this also. Just a, a shout out to thank, uh, you know, Trinity 42, the media team. Uh, they have been collaborating with us and helping us in our work too, just, just to thank them also uh, for their contribution uh, in, in helping to promote Catholics at Home. And maybe we just conclude with a prayer and, as we always do. Yeah. Yes, in the name can. of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation. We thank you for giving us the eyes of Arnold and Tini to help us see what's happening in the ground, uh, despite the fact that we are unable to move. We ask you, Lord, to inspire us, uh, inspire us to action, to help one another. Even the little that we give will help someone to live, to survive. Lord, help us to, to move into mission as we are called to, and to be able to navigate through this crisis with you guiding each one of us. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so there you go. We've come to the end of the show this morning, this Saturday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, for those of you who caught us at the tail end of the show, don't worry. It will always be there on YouTube and Facebook. You can watch it at any time. You're free. Uh, feel free to share the podcast as well. And uh, we will catch you again next week. I think next week we've got another very interesting topic lined up, isn't it, Father? Uh, we're, right. we're getting we're getting very in touch with the current situation right now. So we want to just you know share or spread the word as much as we can. So look out for that one happening next week. Yeah. In the meantime, we're wishing you a fantastic weekend ahead, and do take care, stay safe, and stay at home. Bye bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>